Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I'm Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the aberrant Bob Domena. Aberrant. Please yeah. define aberrant for me. Aberrant. I've been using a lot of A's recently, I've noticed, but it works. Aberrant <laughs> is departing from an accepted standard. And I don't think you follow many standards. No, I don't follow many standards. No, you got to do everything per your own agenda. You okay. You got to figure out what, what is best for you. Yes, people have told me that I do that before. Before I don't. Sometimes I, they tell me that in a negative way, and sometimes it's a positive thing. But I have heard that before. So I, I thank you. I take it as a compliment. Yeah, I think it is a compliment. And also, in biology, the term is used to describe chromosomes diverging from the normal type okay yeah i i i had some additional reference i don't know yeah i've had my wife i've had friends tell me that i do what i want uh and i don't care what other people think multiple times in my life and i don't know i feel like i do care what other people think sometimes but sometimes whatever yeah all right let's get into the podcast though so before we dive into the content briefly website go there Free cheat sheet, free travel cheat sheet, sign up for the newsletter and you get information on the podcast. It's a win-win. So consulting services, you can sit down with me via Zoom, just like Elliot is right now, and we can break down the very intricate details of your trip to make sure that you plan the most efficient trip possible. We will break down safety information. We will break down restaurant reviews, logistics uh, through transportation everything. I will make sure that you have an incredibly efficient trip and I will provide you with the tools that you need to do it on your own. We are in production of videos, video courses titled How to Become Your Own Travel Agent. It's appropriate titled How to Become Your Own Travel Agent. Elliot and I are both working on them. They are going to be pretty awesome if, you know, they and we're, we're just really excited to get those out to you. We will be doing that soon. So stay, stay up to date through the podcast and things like that. We'll post on social media when they're finally available and you could, you could start checking those out. The travel around table series. So this is a brand new podcast series that we've been recording. The last Friday of every month is a brand new episode. They are six person podcasts, yeah. panels, including Elliot and myself, it's always a brand new topic and then experts that relate to that specific topic. And it's just a really fun way to break down these travel topics. We have group discussions, a lot of insight, really good way to get information. Lastly, if you are listening to this on Spotify or the Apple iTunes, watching this on YouTube, just hit the subscribe. And if you really, really like us, hit the like button because that really goes a far way in helping us grow this podcast. I think that's going to be it for the production or the marketing. Elliot, why don't we just jump right in? What do we have going on today? Yeah, so this week's Travel Bites, uh, we're only going to discuss a few articles, one of which is that the world seems to be opening up towards to the travel industry again. Um, and then we look at travel trends heading into this holiday season for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then some Google tech that is helping book travel throughout this much, this COVID-19 time. And then we look at a, this guy who is traveling to Machu Picchu back in March and what transpired the last seven months and then what happened at the end of his time in Peru. And lastly, we'll touch back on the jetpack guy near LAX. Yeah, very exciting. So 
this this first one, I guess, is not even really one article. It's just a culmination of the information I obtained from going over a bunch of travel articles. And the the conclusion I came to was that the world in general, as it relates to travel and tourism, is opening up. Attractions like Machu Picchu and Disney World, the entire state of Hawaii, uh, different Costa Rica, Costa Africa, Rica, yeah, everything is trying to figure out how they can start uh, accepting tourists again. And it's really it's it's nice to see. It makes me feel really good about the future of travel. I thought it was going to be much longer before we saw things like this, but it appears that it's moving forward. So Hawaii, for example, is eliminating the mandatory 14-day quarantine. They did that, I believe, on October 15th. Now, if you can provide a negative COVID test that you took 72 hours prior to your desk, prior to your departure date, you can now enter Hawaii and bypass the quarantine and enjoy your time there. I think that this method is going to become widespread. I think that this is probably what's going to allow Americans into the EU, uh, Australia and New Zealand, and allow travelers to bypass the restrictions that we have presently and get back to travel i, I yeah. really i think this is the i think this is the method that's yeah i don't work. know if it's necessarily a bypass it's just a, a new way of providing safety measures and it's not foolproof by any means but it is better than letting people in without any kind of verification or any quarantine right so speaking of that a more controversial method is what we're seeing in costa rica so costa rica is no longer needing um, any COVID test at all. They're no longer requiring travelers to provide proof of a negative COVID test as of October 26th. Uh, all U.S. travelers- Starting on November 1st. Right. So all U.S. travelers as well as travelers from other countries are welcome as of November 1st. No COVID test at all. They are just letting you in. They are removing entry restrictions based on residence and citizenship for all countries. That is a bold move. It is. But the important thing to note here is that they are requiring travelers insurance. So basically, they're letting you come in at your own risk and the rest of the country, but they're making sure that if you do get sick, even if it's not COVID-19, that you have the ability to pay for your uh, health care. Right. Yes. And I think there's like an electronic questionnaire, which I'm, most people are probably familiar with in some form or another. It's, uh, you know, do you have a sore throat? Have you been around anybody that's tested positive? Those questions that we keep seeing over and over again, you will have to fill one of those out electronically, uh, provide proof of insurance, and then you can go there. And so good to know. Let's see how that plays out, though. Um, <laughs> moving on, this month, November, is uh, the biggest month for travel yeah. in the United States due to the holidays. And so Skyscanner has started to compile data on travel trends, anticipating what travel will be like heading into the holiday season. They are noticing that. So, so in 2019, 61% of Thanksgiving travelers booked their trips within six weeks leading up to the holiday. And they are seeing that again for 2020. The big thing is, uh, regarding cancellation policy. So that seems to be the most pressing issue for most people booking traveler or tra travel. Yeah. So, And so some of these top destinations that people are looking to book based on Skyscanner's data, number one is New York, which isn't a huge surprise uh, just because of the, you know, parade, all the Thanksgiving Day festivities in New York City. And then, uh, I, but I'm fairly certain that they announced that that was going to be virtual this year. 
Yeah, I think I saw that too. I didn't look into it. And then Cancun is number two, Orlando, Vegas, Denver, Los Angeles at number six, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, Chicago, and number 10, Tampa. So I think the only yeah. surprising one on there is really Cancun. Yeah, I don't know if that's a popular destination for Thanksgiving traditionally or not. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people try to travel, try to take advantage of the time off around the holidays to use it as their vacation time. I know a lot of people go to like Disney World for Christmas and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's part of it. But yeah, it, it appears that people will be traveling. I'm curious to see what the numbers actually are compared to 2019. I Probably lower. I yeah. pretty much can guarantee I mean, I that know they're going to be lower. Amanda and I aren't going anywhere for Thanksgiving. We probably Neither aren't going are anywhere for Christmas. I think we're going to stay home. Typically, yeah. we go back to Amanda's parents' house in Why uh, Why I'm Missing and then go out for a few drinks beforehand. But we're not doing any of that this year. No, I think we're keeping it to parents and siblings. Uh, we haven't really discussed it in detail, but I think that's where we're going to be headed for, for those holidays. So yeah, something to look forward to and something to just see how it plays out. Uh, this next one, Elliot, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Again? You're the tech guy. So Google, a lot of people have been criticizing Google for not stepping up sooner, and it seems like they're finally doing a little bit more to help during this pandemic. And Google basically revealed that they're going to start displaying percentages of hotels with availability. And then they're also going to be showing the percentage of flights operating at a city or country level. So if, you know, there are only 10% of flights actually going to certain countries, it'll show that. And it's not going to show all the flights that have been available in the past. And then there will be the ability to see travel advisories and the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in an area using different website links, which is really cool. So basically, they're just going to be providing more information specific to your destination as you're searching for it on the coronavirus. Yeah, I, if anybody has been following along with my consulting services and you, as you'll find out when we release these new videos, these Become Your Own Travel Agent videos, you're going to see that I personally rely heavily on Google platforms for booking travel. And so this is just one additional thing they're doing. I think their travel platform, their their website and the content that they provide for people booking trips is unmatched. And and I highly recommend them. This is I'm really happy to see this. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll even make the crazy transition to a Google phone or oh, an iPhone. That's not I'm crazy. Gonna, it's, that's, it's the way. I, yeah, I know you're a big <laughs> Google guy, whatever. The most important thing to take out of this, though, is that they will be offering travelers the ability to filter their hotel and other vacation rental searches uh, to see only properties that offer free cancellations. That's that's a, a huge, that's huge. huge. That's so informative and will make travel so much easier for people because that's really the, the main concern. That's something that I kind of got stuck with when I, my plans canceled for Italy. I still unfortunately couldn't get all of my money back to these cancellation fees. And so I think the the insurance, knowing that if something were to go wrong with coronavirus, you know, cases spike up, the country doesn't allow you to back in, you can still get your money back. So that's that's yeah. big news. And if you read into this a little further, the fact that Google is doing that free cancellations filter search means that hotels, Airbnbs, VRBOs, they're going to start to offer free cancellations so they show up on those filters. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Google pushing the the industry, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's intentional, but that's going to be the way. Yeah. 
No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's intentional for Google to want to make, you know, push the, the industry. I think it's intentional. Google wants to accommodate its users. And that's a, the number one concern. If in six months, in six weeks, in one month, coronavirus cases spike in my country or that country, and I have to cancel or I get coronavirus, you know, I get coronavirus a week before I leave. Can I get my money back? And so that's what they're going to help you determine what be yep. you book. Yep. All right, Bob, what's this next article about this guy being stuck in Peru? I, I <laughs> loved this one. This is like a feel good story. It is. So, so back in March 16th, the world closed down and began to. So Jesse Katayama, I, I butchered that and I apologize. <laughs> Jesse Katayama. Katayama. He's from Japan and he was visiting Peru to experience Machu Picchu. He ended up uh, in on March 16th, stuck in the mountain town of Aguas Calientes. For anybody that's ever been to Machu Picchu, this is the city at the base of Machu Picchu Mountain, where most people set up shop before making their way to see Machu Picchu. It's very small, and it's, it's an extremely small town that really only survives off of the tourism industry, and there's not a whole lot to do there, honestly, other than get a bite to eat, go to sleep, and go see Machu Picchu. Most people don't spend much time there. I mean, I think on average, it might be a day or two for yeah, we most spent, tourists. We spent maybe 24 hours total in Agos Calientes, one and night that's, and yeah. two half days. And that's all it's used for, really. It's, it's a base camp. And so he ended up getting stuck there on March 16th. And spent six months there so he's a boxing months he's a boxing instructor back in japan he started teaching boxing classes to the locals and he really became a local in his own way he he got to know the people and really this is one of the most uh extreme examples of slow travel i have ever read about in my life and then it wasn't necessarily his choice i think like he got it wasn't he got stuck there and Right. He started teaching boxing because he's been traveling all around the world, learning from different boxing instructors, how they do it. So he can open his own shop in Japan. And then he needed the money. So he started teaching boxing in Aguas Calientes. And then the beautiful ending to this story is that he hadn't been able to go to Machu Picchu that entire time that he was there. And so as Peru was opening back up and letting people leave the country, he was granted access to Machu Picchu for himself and himself only. Yeah, this is this is just mind-boggling. And I try to think back, you know, when was the last time anybody had entered that place by themselves? So I know uh, Hiram Bingham, the guy who rediscovered it, even he had a guide. He was yeah. he was brought to that site by a local farmer's boy who said, hey, you know, I know of someplace really cool that you might, this is because here in Bigham was looking for a lost city of the Incas, the last held area of the Incas. He met this farmer, this family, and the boy took him to Machu Picchu. And so he rediscovered it. He's the first Westerner to lay eyes on Machu Picchu. And since that point, I don't know if anybody's ever been there alone. And I think that was in like 1912 or 19, some, sometime. 1900s, yeah. Right. And so this guy, he had two photographers with him. And so if you Google this article, you can look at the pictures, but he got to experience such an incredible place all by himself. So I think, I think that experience, you know, I thought about it, like that's a long time to be stuck in Peru. And for those of you not familiar with what happened in South America, Peru specifically, they took the lockdown very seriously. They closed their borders 
And unless I think you were a citizen, even then you were struggling to get in and out of the border. They, the lockdown was enforced by police. It was, it was extreme, even compared to uh, like New Zealand and Australia. Very, mm -hmm. very, very, very extreme in Peru. And yeah. so that's why he was stuck there. Yeah. I, I, it, that's like, could you imagine? What if it was us? I mean, oh, we have, yeah. we're married. I have a child. That would have been insane. We have jobs that we would have to report to. Six months, we would have lost our jobs. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is that we would have left before the lockdown happened. I think they people had opportunity to leave. I think he chose to stay in the hopes that it would be lifted shortly and realized that it wouldn't. Uh, oh. So then he got stuck there. But so he went he home did, when... Yeah, he made it home October 16th. Yeah, so he, he the lockdown began on March 16th and he went home on October 16th. What yeah. a life experience. Yeah. So this last article is a recap or I guess a reoccurrence of the jetpack guy near LAX. Jetpack man. We still don't have confirmation that it was a, a jetpack. We don't have any photos. We only have correspondence between a China Airlines flight where they said they saw a jetpack flying near the airport at 5,000 feet again, and nobody knows anything beyond that. People still think it could just be a large drone, that it's not a jetpack, but there's a lot of a lot of thoughts about this, right? Because jetpacks, 5,000 feet is kind of their limit, and there's only a few jetpacks built like that around the world. I think yeah. Adam Savage has one of them. Maybe not. I think Does he's building he? his Iron Man suit. Yeah. I mean, this could be the next Elon Musk in his basement right now, you know, building <laughs> right. up his technology. And he's going to, you know, once he perfects it, come to light and be the hero we all need. I don't know. It, this is really fun. It's just, it's funny. As long as no one gets hurt, it's, it's funny. Because yeah. there is an issue with him flying around so close to LAX. And I hope, that this individual, if it is a guy on a jetpack, has the wherewithal to know the potential danger and that he's taking the right precautions. But yeah, yeah. I, it, it, very odd. Yeah. But on a, on a separate note, we're still talking about jetpacks. Uh, this, this company in the UK, specifically, I think Scotland area, um, has been known, it's very rural. It's hard to get ambulances in and out, hard to get, like if you fall while hiking, it is hard to get medical aid to you. So this company, I forget what it's called, um, are basically making paramedic jetpacks. It's really cool. So these guys, it would take uh, about two hours to hike to a fallen or injured hiker because they can't get a car up there. And instead, they can suit up in this jetpack and fly there in 90 seconds. Wow. Wow. So Did they won't be able to they won't be able to transport them, but they can help aid them at their location until right. other transportation gets there. Have you ever seen the jetpacks uh, for firefighters in Abu Dhabi? No, no, I don't know the technology and how it works, but it's so they can get to the you know up high in a skyscraper without having to climb the stairs or use the elevator. They can wow. actually use a jetpack to put out fires. On the That's side so of the cool. skyscrapers. I wonder if yeah. it's the same company. It's called Gravity Industries. You should definitely check it out. The video is really cool. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, talking to you and everyone listening. I, I, I know. I assumed as such. So don't don't forget, people are listening to this. I know. I, I know they are. There are yeah. dozens of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you 
to all 12 of you <laughs> uh, for listening to the podcast. And we are just joking. <laughs> we were joking. Yeah, um, there's probably only six. <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast, all six to 12 of you. Uh, this this month coming up, we have a, we have great guests on the podcast. So Scott Light is coming back this time to talk about the specifics of the tourism of his tour company in the Amazon jungle. We get into where to find coffee beans and chocolate and the local tribes that you can stay with. Awesome, awesome conversation. And again, if you're interested in joining us when we go to the Amazon with Scott, just send us an email. We'll add you to the waiting list and we'll get you into that trip with us but it's, uh, it's up to three right now we're only accepting 10 correct correct amanda and ryan uh came to us from the world wanderers podcast it was essentially about their relationship how they became digital nomads and traveled the world really cool stories and and a lot of fun to talk to they've become somewhat close friends of the podcast and then lastly we talked with mag diamond the author of bowing to elephants it was about it's a, her memoir of traveling the world as a young girl 60 years ago, very different world as it relates to travel, tourism infrastructure, not even a fraction of what it is today. So it was really neat to pick her brain and get an idea of what the world was like for her traveling such a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, if you love, if you love this show, if you like truly love it, the six of you that are listening and you want to help support Stop us. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. <laughs> Hey, we're humble. We don't care. We don't care how many listeners we have. We like no, talking we don't. about travel. Right. We like talking to adventurers around the world. But if you if you would like to contribute to the show for less than a dollar a month, you can help us. And that'll go towards paying for our website. It'll help going towards paying for our video conferencing. It'll help towards going for everything that we do to produce the show. And to every one of you, you really are our biggest advocate. So please share the show with your friends and your family and anyone that you ever talk to in your life. Please share us. And make sure you stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in next week. <laughs>